0: Welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. To the Romans. Our text for this day is found in Romans chapter 5. And I begin reading at verse 12. Paul wrote to the church of Rome, and he writes to us saying, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, as Adam, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. But the free gift... Don't you notice how many times Paul is going to refer to the free gift? But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one man's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Church, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, may our presence here in this place today be a strong symbol that we want to yield to you. We want to abandon our lives to you and we want to live day by day, moment by moment, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come now, O God, among us and speak to each one of us So fill us with your Spirit that we will give you more of our lives than we ever have in the past. Help us truly to become living sacrifices to you in return for the great, gracious, free gift that is ours in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Church, I'd like to introduce you to a very, very special friend of mine. He has been a big part of my life as long as I can remember. And about 40 years ago, he became an even greater part of my life, a very significant part of my life. This special friend of mine has a brilliant mind. He has a great intellect. In his day, he studied with the greatest teachers of the era. He, he is a very passionate person. He is passionate and driven and focused in life, in living. He knows his mission and he is passionate and driven and focused in achieving his mission in life. He truly lives a purpose-driven life. This friend of mine has... Tremendous skills when it comes to time management and energy management because it is a remarkable thing to look at all he accomplished and is still accomplishing. My friend wasn't always a Christ follower. He came to Christ as an adult, and when he came to Christ, he, he paid dearly for his faith in Christ. It cost him dearly. When he came to Christ, he lost family and friends and status in his community, and he had a remarkable standing in his community. He became, as a result of coming to Christ, the object of great scorn and great anger. Perhaps by now you know that my friend of whom I speak is the Apostle, the Apostle Paul. He's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember, and beginning about 40 years ago, he even became a greater part of my life. The Apostle Paul continues to do his work in this world. The Apostle Paul continues to influence lives today. The Apostle Paul became a human being that totally and completely abandoned himself to being a follower of Jesus Christ in the world. He was raised a devout Jew and everything that went into his life became part of the gift that he was when he offered his life to all of us. His upbringing, his past, his passion, his devotion to the written word of God which we would call the Old Testament, made him who he was. But everything changed in Paul's life one day. Everything changed in Paul's life one day as he was making a journey through the Damascus gate out of the old city of Jerusalem, heading north to that ancient city of Damascus. And in route to that ancient city of Damascus, everything changed for him. He was heading to Damascus because he had heard that many of the original Christians that first were there around Jerusalem, they had moved from Jerusalem north to the region around Damascus, which is present-day Syria. So he was making a journey to go and persecute, go and arrest these Jewish followers of the new Messiah, Jesus, because he at that point thought they were so wrong in in embracing Jesus of Nazareth as the new Mashiach, the new Messiah of the Jewish people, and even of the world. But on the way to the city of Damascus, everything changed for Paul. As an aside, by the way, I want you to Make sure that every day you pray for the city of Damascus. Make sure that every day you pray for the people of Syria. I did just return with several of you from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, from a pilgrimage throughout Israel. And now for the last three trips, we have paused at a particular location up in the Golan Heights in the state of Israel at a place where we could look over the border into Syria And see the city of Damascus at a distance of about 25 miles. And we pause there. This was the third trip in which we've done this. We pause at that spot in the Golan Heights of Israel. We look across the 25-mile valley and we see the outskirts of the city of Damascus. That city was such a rich Christian heritage and we remember We remember the number, the great number of people that have died in the Syrian civil war. For three trips now, we've gone to that spot and we've prayed for the people of Syria and Damascus. I think at last count, and we have probably lost count, but well in excess of 600,000 people, including many, many children, have died in the Syrian civil war. So tragic, so tragic. We stop there and we pray over that ancient city of Damascus that has such a rich Christian tradition. And it was on the way to Damascus where everything changed for Paul. It was on the way to Damascus that he encountered the living Christ. This is about two or four years after the resurrection of Christ. Perhaps you remember what it was that the living, resurrected Jesus said to Paul. It's remarkable what what he said to Paul. He called him by his Jewish name, Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's what Jesus said to him. He did not say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my followers? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And that's probably the moment when Paul realized that the church, you and me, we're the body of Christ. The physical presence of Jesus in the world animated by the Holy Spirit of Jesus in the world, living the ministry out of Jesus in the world. And that's why to persecute us is to persecute him. So that day on the road to Damascus, Paul, Saul, experienced the power and the presence of the living Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And everything changed for Saul, Paul, that day. He had to walk away from much of what he knew life to be. He had to walk away from members of his family, members of his friendship circle, he had to walk away from a tremendous status among his faith community because he decided that he was going to embrace a new way of being Jewish, a new way of being Jewish that meant embracing Jesus as the Mashiach, the Messiah of God, the anointed one of God. And he embraced Jesus and everything changed in his life. It cost him dearly. It cost him dearly to come to faith in Jesus Christ and become a servant of Jesus Christ. He met the living Christ that day on the road to Damascus. He found new life in Jesus that day. He found the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that day. He, at that moment, realized that everything he had lost in Adam, everything that he had lost because he's a member of the human race, everything that he had lost because of the sin and the brokenness of the human race had been restored by the one man, Jesus, and much more in addition. So he met the living Christ, and out of that experience, he became the apostle, you don't even have to call him Paul. Just refer to him as the apostle. He was the one who took the faith of Jesus, the faith in Jesus, to the wider world, to the Gentile world, and now it's made its way all the way to High Point, North Carolina from the area around Jerusalem and Damascus. He experienced a new life in Jesus Christ. Now, it cost him dearly but it was a great and glorious exchange. He gave up much in his life, but he got so much more in return. He found the forgiveness for all of his past sins. He found the cleansing of all of his past sins. He found a new empowerment to live the way God has created us to live. He found grace that day on the road to Damascus. We use that word grace a lot in the Christian community. I'm not sure we even pause to ask ourselves, what does grace mean? So I'll give you my shorthand definition for grace. Grace is God's empowering presence in our life. That empowering presence saves us from sin. It sure does that. It saves us from the penalty of sin. It saves us from the power of sin. And one day it'll save us from the very presence of sin. But grace does that and so much more. Grace is God's empowering presence in our life that allows us to live as a different kind of human being. It's the power and the presence of Christ living in our life that allows us to live out of that new life that's ours in Jesus Christ. We get to walk away from the old life, that life that is crucified in Christ, so that this new resurrection life can be born anew in each one of us. So forgiveness, freedom, freedom to live as God is calling us to live, fullness of life, the abundant life that Jesus spoke of can be made real to us through the power and the presence of the reality of the Holy Spirit living in us. So Paul gave up so much, but gained so much more. There is no coming to Christ without this great exchange we have to give up much of our old life in order to gain the new life that's ours in Jesus Christ. We're in the season of Lent. We began the season of Lent in prayer this past Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, as we, as we began our process of confession and repentance, seeing life as God sees life. That's what confession means. Repentance is turning, changing our mind and going in a different direction. We began that on Wednesday. And we're continuing this throughout the season of Lent. This is our time of renewal. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give me and will give you the courage to truly examine our lives according to the standard of Jesus Christ. Not according to the standard of our neighbors. Not according to the standard of the culture in which we find ourselves. But according to the standard of of Jesus Christ this season of reflection, this season of intense moral inventory so that we can make a greater space in our life to receive all that Jesus is seeking to give us. Our sermon series for the month of March is is entitled Empty and Filled. And that's what we need to do. In order to be filled with more of Jesus, we have to continue the process of emptying our lives Of some things, some attitudes, some habits, some actions, some prejudices, some memories. The list goes on. We have got to empty our lives of those things that so fill us up that we have no room to receive what it is that Jesus Christ has for us. The joy and the abundant living that's ours in Jesus Christ. That's why during the season of Lent, we talk about fasting in the Christian community. We heard from Jesus this past Wednesday in Matthew chapter six, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I remind you that there in Matthew chapter six, Jesus speaking to his followers didn't say, if you give to the poor, he said, when you give to the poor. He did not say, if you pray, he said, when you pray, do it like this. And he didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. Do it like this. Fasting is an important spiritual discipline. It has been for the 2,000 years of our faith. And it was there for 1,500 years in Judaism before we started embracing it as a spiritual discipline. It's important to know how to break the power of canceled sin in our life. It's important to break the power of whatever has become idols in our life. And we don't take really, usually, we don't take evil things and make them idols. We make good things. And we allow those good things to occupy a place that belongs only to God. You know, even C.S. Lewis even said that mother love can become demonic if we allow mother love, and I would add fatherly love, to occupy a place that it should not occupy. C.S. Lewis says, if your motherly love and fatherly love over your child is so possessive that you would even take your child to hell because you love your child so much, something's wrong about that. Something good has become something demonic because we have disordered the love. We allow it to have a place in our life far greater than it was ever intended to have. So we take good things and make them idols in our life. Whatever occupies the space that God and God alone should occupy is an idol. And our God is a very jealous God. He doesn't want to share his role in our lives with anyone else or anything else. And that's why fasting is important. Fasting is the way we break the power of canceled sin. Now I know frequently in Christian tradition, we've talked about fasting as fasting from food, so that we could give specific time to prayer. And that's a good thing to fast because it reminds us that our spirit should have control of our flesh. But oftentimes we need to fast from things far beyond food. Some of us need to fast from sports. Some of us need to fast from the internet. Some of us need to fast, the list goes on and on and on. Just to be able to say no to ourselves and break the power of something that is controlling us. The Pope, the Bishop of Rome, said this about fasting. As he encourages us to think about Lent, he encourages us to fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude. Fast from anger and be filled with patience. Fast from pessimism, be filled with hope. Fast from worries and be filled with trust in God. Fast from complaining and contemplate simplicity. Fast from pressures and instead be prayerful. Fast from bitterness and disappointment and anger and fill our hearts with joy. Fast from selfishness and be filled with compassion for others. Fast from grudges and desire to seek revenge and be filled with a spirit of reconciliation Fast from words, fast from all the words that we use and be silent so that we can listen to each other and listen to God. My friend Paul gave up a great deal to have his life filled with Jesus Christ, but I know my friend well, he will tell you it was worth every price he paid. It was worth emptying his life of some things in order to be filled with Jesus. Church, may we live lives. May we live lives that God can truly bless. Amen.